Good morning, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Thoughts While I Drive to Work. So this morning I'm going to be telling a story of something that happened to me back when I was 19. Before we get into that, the inspiration for this story. So I'm not a huge fan of true crime, true crime stories or anything like that. I feel like a lot of people that tell true crime stories like in podcast form or anything like that are, they're attempting to celebrate the killer and they, to celebrate the killer and they try to celebrate the gory details and you just, they just come across as gross. Um, a lot of these people are evil people that did things to people that are completely innocent and did not in no way deserve what happened to them. And I just feel like um, by listening to a lot of these podcasts or stories, we are promoting um, what these people did. So with that being said, there is one true crime, true crime podcast that I really enjoy. And it is the Mr. Ballin podcast. And he's not even really a true crime podcast. He just tells stories. It's a storytelling podcast, I guess you could say. Um, he tells like a lot of wilderness survival stories and true crime stories, um, disappearance stories, just really unique stories. But in the stories where there is, say, a, a killer of some type, he doesn't celebrate the killer. And even in the ones where he gives a content advisory due to, say, violence, um, the violence that he then talks about is not celebrated. And I would say, in the way that he describes it, isn't probably on par with a PG movie. Yeah, I'd say PG-13. But he doesn't celebrate the gore. He doesn't celebrate um, the violence. And he doesn't celebrate the killers. And he's a very unique storyteller. He's very good um, in the way that you have, honestly sometimes have no idea what's going to happen until it happens. He is, he's very good. And so with that being said, I was discussing with some of my employees at work, just true crime stories that kind of reminded me of this story that happened when I was about 19. As I told this story to all my coworkers, at the very end, they all said, Wow, you almost got killed by a serial killer. I guess I never really, I mean, I kind of thought about it that way, but when they said it out loud, and then they all went, you need to put this on your podcast. So, today, as you will see from clicking on this episode, today is the day where I tell you about how when I basically went up against a serial killer... Let's get started. So basically, back when I was 19, um, my soon-to-be wife, then uh, just even my girlfriend, was in a completely different town in Alaska going to college. Um, we were just been dating all summer, then we were dating by phone, and um, the fall had come, and she was still my girlfriend, and she was at college, um, shoot, like over 300 miles away. So I was in college at KPC, and so I was down here, and she was up farther north. And so one day she was going to be at the Alaska State Fair, and I decided that I was going to drive up, despite needing to be at its college the very next day. I was going to drive up in the early morning, spend the whole day with her, and then drive back that night. I hadn't seen her in a few months. It seemed like a good idea at 19. Uh, my car at the time was very much not going to make it. So... Uh, my girlfriend's dad, who would then become my father-in-law, loaned me his car. Super generous of him. Super nice. And so I drive. It's a little over 190 miles, I, I believe, uh, up to the Alaska State Fair. And so we go up there, and we have a great time. And 
and I'm not really thinking about it, of course, because again, I'm 19 and kind of stupid, that I need to be back. I need to go back, and I don't leave the Alaska State Fair until like eh, 11:30 at night. And as I'm driving back, I drive back, I get south of Anchorage, and there's a particularly pretty prominent gas station at Kirkwood. It's kind of a travel stop for everyone. Everybody is there. And so I'm at Girdwood at about 1, 1.30 in the morning, and I'm getting gas. If you're going to get gas south of Girdwood, south of Anchorage, that's just where you go. You get snacks there. It's a bathroom break. Uh, if you've gone to Alaska on the Kenai Peninsula, you stop at Girdwood. That's just what you do. So I'm getting gas, and so there's like a normal gas car fill-up spot. Then there's like a spot for bigger like semi-trucks and RVs and things like that off to the side. And so... I'm the only one there. I'm getting gas, and off to the side on this bigger, you know, fill-up spot is an older, like, 80s Winnebago. And so, you know the Winnebagos that are kind of kind of dingy and have that big W on the side that runs the entire length of the Winnebago? Um, sometimes there are brighter colors than the rest of the Winnebago. This one's color within a really faded orange. And so I don't, I don't know who this is. Um... I'm getting gas, and I mean, at one point I heard their car door open and close, of the RV car door open and close, and I, they're getting gas, I'm doing my thing, and the only thing I can think about is on the way south of Girdwood, it's just one lane, and I really don't want to be behind this Winnebago, because um, I bet they're going to drive slow, it's one in the morning, I mean, who drives an 80s Winnebago but some old person? was my thought process, and I don't want to be behind them, I want to make good time, it's already one in the morning, and I have a class to tech. I need to get home. So I, I fill up and everything's going okay. And um, eventually I, I do get out first. I got out first and I'm driving along and I am exhausted. I am exhausted. I am really tired. I'm beginning to have trouble keeping my eyes open. And I decide, you know what? This drive down to the Kenai Peninsula from, from Girdwood should only take about two hours. If I pull over one of these big pullouts, Taking that for two hours, three hours. I'll still have plenty of time to get to school the next day. Won't be a big deal. This is a safety thing. I, I should do it. So I pull off on one of the scenic pull-offs. Um, just park right on the edge. You see people do it all the time. You know, they're just going to camp out. They're sleep there for the night. That's what they're going to do. So I decide I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. So I pull off and I crawl into the back seat of this smaller SUV that... My father-in-law, well, soon to be father-in-law, had lent me, and I go to sleep. I'm not really asleep yet. I'm, I'm just drifting off when I see headlights go past my windshield. And I parked in a way that, you know, oncoming traffic or traffic going by me shouldn't have splayed their headlights across my windshield. Only if another car was currently in the scenic pull-off would they have their headlights on me, in my windshield anyway. And so I kind of jump up from the back seat and I look and it's, there's a car parked probably about 40 yards away on the other side of the scenic pull-off with his headlights pointed directly at me to where I, I can't really see what's going on. I figure, oh, maybe someone else is taking a nap too. No big deal. And then I hear their car door slam closed. So I'm like, oh, someone got out. That's interesting. And then, um... I see in the headlights this figure walking towards my car. I'm like, oh, that's super bizarre. I can just see the outline 
It is a stockier man with a bald head and his ears jut out. You know guys with bald heads, their ears jut out because they don't have any hair. It just makes them look like they have big ears. It's the only way I can say that. And so he can obviously see straight into my car. This is bizarre. And he's walking towards my car. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't want whatever part of this is. So I scramble up to the front seat. And he obviously notices that I scramble up to the front seat. So he starts running at my car. I'm like, man, what is going on? This is just, this is just bizarre. And so I start the car up and I, I peel on out of there. I'm done with this. I don't, I don't know what this guy needed, if he needed help or what, what he needed. This is bizarre. I'm 19. I'm not, again, you know, maybe thinking the best. But I'm thinking I just need to leave. You know, I'm not the kung fu killing machine I am today. So <laughs> I decide I just need to get out of there. So I, I just take off. I am I am out of there. Um, I don't even look at my rearview mirror. But as I drive away, I see the car. And it's that Winnebago from the gas station. From the Gerber gas station. I'm like, man, that is, that is weird. And I keep thinking that, like, you know, I never saw the guy driving that Winnebago. But we were parked in a way that, like, he could have seen me easily. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Why is this guy from where I got gas, you know, 40 miles up the road, all of a sudden wanting to talk to me so much that he's running at my car in the middle of the night. And so I, I don't know, and I don't want to know. So I pull away, and adrenaline's pumping, things are feeling pretty good, and I, you know, I, I don't see the Winnebago even pull out after me, so I'm thinking we're okay. About 20 miles down the road again, the adrenaline's worn off, and I am tired again so I'm thinking man I really got to get some sleep but I don't know what that guy was doing so I'm going to try to pull off again and I'm going to try to do it a little smarter this time and we'll see what happens again I'm 19 kind of stupid so I pull off on another scenic pull off but I, I wait for one that's kind of on a corner and I pull off in a way that like I'm at the beginning of the pull off so anybody who drives by would have a good chance of just shooting straight by me and not even noticing I was there unless they're specifically looking for me. I also decide I'm going to sleep in the front seat of the truck or the, the car, SUV, whatever. So that way I don't have to scramble up from the back seat and it'll, it'll save me time in the long run if, if that's what, uh, you know, something happens. So I'm not there for more than like five minutes, just barely drifting off to sleep. I left the keys in the ignition. And who comes screaming around the corner but that Winnebago comes screaming around the corner. And as I said, no one would know I was there unless they were looking for me. And he immediately sees me and tires screeching. He peels into the, the, the pull-off. And I'm like, what is going on? And in the time it takes me to, like, get back away, get start up my car, he has jumped out of the Winnebago and is again running at my car. So I, I uh, start the car up and I peel on out of there um, with him only being like like six, six yards away. And again, he's parked in a way. I have no idea what this guy looks like. He doesn't say a single word. He doesn't scream or yell or be like, hey, your headlights out or hey, your rear tire's flat. You know, no, like it's at this point, it's like this guy is purposely hunting me down. <laughs> and I do not know why and I don't want to know why. So I peel on out of there, and unlike last time, he peels on after me. And so he gets in his, gets in his uh, Winnebago and starts tailgating the, the tar out of me. 
Now the road south of Gerwood to um, Kenai Peninsula has a lot of twists and turns. You can't go very fast at a lot of points. So we're limited, you know, the speed limit's about 55 miles an hour. So we're really limited on how fast we can go, but we're pushing 70 miles an hour and he is right behind me. At certain points, I'm, I even think he's gonna like hit my bumper. And I don't, I don't really know what to do. Um, but as we pull into Cooper Landing, Cooper Landing has a ton of twists and turns at big hills. And I'm thinking, okay, there's no way this guy in a Winnebago can match me on these tight turns. I just, I gotta put the pedal to the floor and I have to get away from this guy. So I do, I put the pedal to the floor and gradually I get away from him and I have this, I start with this idea. There's this little convenience stop at Cooper Landing called Wild Bands. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, if I pull into Wild Bands and pull right along the side of the building, shut my car off, he should blow straight past me. It's a good plan. It is a good plan. And so that's what I do. And sure enough, I barely get my car parked and this Winnebago goes screaming by me on the road. I figure he didn't see me. Um, everything should be good. I think I think I'm safe. And so I wait 20 minutes, 25 minutes, thinking let's get let this guy get as far down the road as possible. Because I mean, there's only one road. I have to get home. It's not like I can turn back around and go to Anchorage for no reason. I have nowhere to stay. I don't have a lot of money. Um, I have to go home. And so I get off. You know, I, I'm sorry. And so I, I get back onto the road after waiting 25 minutes. And Wildman's on this big curve. It's on a big curve. It actually makes it kind of treacherous to turn left out on, going back to Anchorage or to turn right, uh, because you can't really see a lot of the traffic. So I get right around the corner, and I drive maybe like a quarter mile. And who's pulled off on the side of the road? That Winnebago. And immediately as I see him, he bursts his headlights on, and hits the floor, gravel's flying, he's right behind me again. This guy knew, somehow, he knew that I wasn't ahead of him anymore, and he decided to stop and wait for 25 minutes. The only thing looking back on this is I'm really happy, I don't think he knew where I was, that he didn't park there and get out and try to come back at me, because he could have snuck up on, on me pretty easily from where I was parked by the side of Wildman's. But thankfully, he didn't do that. He waited for 25 minutes. Maybe he knew I was there. Maybe he knew that eventually I would come. Either way, I'm like, okay, it's on, homie. Like, we're in Cooper Landing. We're not that far away. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, is this guy going to follow me all the way to my house? What is the plan? I'm thinking, like, like, I might need to call the cops if we get into town. He's still there. I don't, I don't know what to do. But I'm thinking again, again, with the head of a 19-year-old, it is time to hit the pedal to the floor, you know, let the bodies hit the ground. I gotta hit, I gotta hit the road. And so I take off again. I am going probably the fastest I've ever gone through Cooper Landing. I'm hitting almost 80 miles an hour and he's not able to keep up. And so there's a part where you get south of Cooper Landing called the Flats, long, straight, narrow part of the road where you can go ridiculously fast. And so I hit the Flats and I'm, you know, I'm slowing back down because I don't see the Winnebago behind me. The Flats is one of the few spots that goes into a two-lane for passing, and I really don't want to give them the opportunity, but it's a long stretch of flat road. I don't see any headlights. Everything seems pretty good. So ironically enough, I'm going along the Flats. I'm not speeding anymore, thankfully, and I see a car coming in the direction towards me from town. I'm like, okay, no, no worries. 
And when we get within a quarter mile, it turns its, uh, um, turns its uh, lights and siren on. It's a police officer. I'm like, oh, shoot, maybe he needs to go by me. So I pull over. And no, he pulls me over. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, this is good. This cop could help me. Things, you know, this, this might be beneficial to me. So he pulls me over and he walks up. And I immediately noticed that, like, this isn't like a normal traffic stop. He's got his hand already on his gun and he seems very agitated. I'm like, oh, what in the world is going on? And so he gets up to the window and he motions it down. I'm like, hey, can I, can I help you? And he goes, where are you coming from tonight? Still with his hand on his weapon. I, I tell him from Anchorage. And um, he asks if I've seen any other motorists. And I'm like, you know, just a few. I immediately know, but just like kind of his hostile demeanor that I don't think this guy is here to help me. And I don't really want to start. I start thinking about it. I'm like, you know, what evidence do I really have? I just be like a blathering 19-year-old about some guy in a Winnebago who I have no description of who was supposedly just trying to get my attention on the way home. I can't prove that I think he meant me harm or was trying to run me off the road or anything. So I decided not to say anything to this police officer. But then he goes on to say, we got a report of a car matching your description that was driving erratically and was uh, causing road rage on the way down from Anchorage with other motorists. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I full on told him, like, um, I barely saw any other motorists, and I actually pulled off and tried to take a nap. So I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, well, we didn't get a license plate or anything, but step out of the vehicle. I want to run your license and registration. So I'm thinking, okay, no big deal. This is fine. I'll step out of the vehicle. So I step out of the vehicle, and it is freezing cold. I'm just in a t-shirt. Um, it's raining. And I'm not really enjoying life, but he goes, he goes, just put your, you know, put your back on the back of your car. He's parked behind me. He goes, just stay where I can see you and I'll go run your license registration. Um, the funny thing is he didn't care that the car didn't belong to me at all. Like it was my father-in-law's car, my soon to be father-in-law's car. Um, he didn't care. He didn't even bat an eye. I was like, oh, I'm borrowing this from my girlfriend. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, I need to know if you're impaired. I'm thinking, well, this is stupid. I'm literally standing here shivering in a shirt. I'm like, can I get my sweatshirt? He goes, no. Okay, that's fine. So he, he does the whole thing where he's like, he tells me, get down on the ground. I want to see you do 10 push-ups." I'm like, what? So if this is really stupid, at 19, I thought this was normal. Just so you guys know, that's not normal. So I'm down on the ground. I'm doing 10 push-ups. I jump back up and he's like, okay. Now, spread your arms, and he does the whole thing where you put your fingertips to your nose. And so I'm facing my car away from the direction of, you know, Girdwood and where I was coming from. So I'm doing the nose thing, and I hear oncoming traffic, traffic coming behind me. And as, as whoever this is drives by, they honk, double honk, beep, beep, beep. No, sorry, triple honk, beep, beep, beep. And I look over, and it's that stupid Winnebago. And he pulls on by, and I'm like, so there's not a doubt in my mind that the Winnebago called me into the cops as we got closer to town because there was no cell reception until we hit the flats. There's not a doubt in my mind that this Winnebago called me in as some part of his game. I don't, I don't really know. I still don't know what this was all about. Um, I could tell you with 100% certainty I was not driving erratically before... The whole thing started. 
when he was literally chasing me down on the road, tailgating me, borderline hitting my bumper, um, forcing me to go like 90 miles an hour or be run off the road, or the multiple times he got out of his car and tried to get into mine, I was not driving erratically. So I can say with 100% certainty that him calling me into the police by saying I was driving erratically and inciting road rage was a fabrication by him. Just to, I don't know, get ahead of me again, or try to stick it to me, or he was begrudged that he couldn't get to me on the road. He couldn't get in my vehicle. I don't I don't really know why, but it was 100% certain I am that he called me. Um, and then he wanted me to know that he called me in. That's why he triple honked as he went by. And so I'm, at this point, I'm happy the cops are. I'm like, Haha, come back, Winnebago. I got the popo with me. Um, again, being a stupid 19-year-old, um, thinking that this police officer who obviously does not like me is going to defend me against a serial killer in a Winnebago that has nothing better to do than try to kill me all night long. So, yeah. At that point, the police officer having no description of me or my vehicle, basically, and no reason to keep me says I can go and just to... Um, keep it safe something you know dumb like that don't cause trouble and i'm like i'm not causing trouble um so i decide i'm not going to say anything to this police officer he obviously does not really like me or care for me for some reason and has no intention of helping me so when you get to the flats you're actually pretty close to town so the whole way to town i'm thinking okay i'm gonna see this guy somewhere i'm gonna see this winnebago so i'm going super slow i even sat there after the police officer left just waiting and I figure, you know, let him get as far ahead as I can. I'm pretty close to home. Once I get into town, there's a bunch of different ways I can take to my house. So that's that's what I'll do. And if there's any headlights around me, I'm not going to pull in my driveway. So I never see the guy again. And to this day, I still have no idea what that was about. Um, yeah, no idea. I've told that story to multiple people. Nobody has any idea what he could have possibly wanted. But everyone I tell this story to 100% agrees that, like, this person intended me harm. Why, I have no idea. Um, from the time we were both getting gas at the Gerwood station, I feel like it was at that moment he decided that he was going to mess with me on the road. Or I have no idea what he intended or why he did that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's story. Um... As always, my content is a little random, but I hope that keeps you guys coming back and listening to. I always enjoy your feedback. If you have any questions or thoughts or things you want me to talk about, please do shoot me an email at thoughtswhileidrivetowork at gmail.com. All one word, no spaces, no caps. And as always, we have our 60th episode coming up here in I think about five episodes where we are going to have Mrs. Drive to Work back on. So if you have emails or, sorry, if you have questions that specifically you want us to answer on that episode, Please, please, please email me so I can get you in the queue. We can get your questions answered. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Hey, thanks again for tuning in and listening to another episode of Thoughts While I Drive to Work. 
you guys have any questions you want to ask me, you want answered, or topics you'd like me to cover, or things you'd like me to dig into and then uh, read aloud on the podcast, or you just want to say what's up, go ahead and shoot me an email at thoughtswhileidrivetowork at gmail.com. All one word, no spaces, no caps. Thoughtswhileidrivetowork at gmail.com. All one word, no spaces, no caps. You can also find me on Patreon. If you just go to Patreon's website and search for Thoughts While I Drive to Work, it should bring me right up. We have uh, right now only one membership level, but we'll be adding more with exclusive content and deals um, with at Thoughts While I Drive to Work. And if you want to find out what that exclusive content is, well, you have to pay me. Have a good day, guys. <laughs>